covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the 50-yard fight here on Inside the Walls podcast. And welcome to Wednesday Rewind. I am Jim Bernier alongside me, 900 miles away, Zach Kyle. Yes, <laughs> as always, far <laughs> off in the distant lands of the crossroads of America, I rest in arena desert, if you will. But that's okay. Thank God for technology. They get to watch National Arena League right from the comforts of the heartland. If it works for you. <laughs> I mean, it does. I Trust me, I still am going to go to that game. <laughs> well. Uh, week five is in the books in the National Green League. We had two games this past weekend, if you call them games, but we have to cover them here on the Inside the Walls podcast, the official podcast of the National Green League. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, especially our new subscribers or people who are just running into this video for the first time, please subscribe. Like one of our fellow podcasters will say, it builds morale. Please follow us on social media at Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Am I missing something else? Facebook. Yes. Facebook. Yeah. I covered it all. Yeah. yeah Facebook, or, Twitter, Instagram, baby. Or follow us at nationalarenaleague.com. We're on the front page of the website or go to nationalarenaleague.com forward slash videos to catch up on all Inside the Walls content here. That, yeah, here. See, I don't do good at this stuff, man. I'm just saying. I'm just uh, People who watch the show know that Jim is going to stutter or get caught in the conversation. And have no idea where it goes. Maybe that's why you guys love me so much or hate me. I don't care. Um, <laughs> God, the gym. He's uh, <laughs> I'm fiery. It's what happens when I watch a game on Saturday. Oh, wait, no, Sunday. Um, and I'm turning off the YouTube channel halfway through because I, you know what? A little angry. Turn off, mm. have a couple drinks, relax, rewatch a game when I'm calm. Uh, my fan got into me. Um, but overall, um, the weekend was unique. Situations happened, especially in arena game. Travel situations occurred. Uh, San Antonio took a 20-hour bus trip to Col- to Carolina from San Antonio. Ooh. And Jacksonville got caught in Atlanta International Airport with severe weather delays in the area where Atlanta, Atlanta International or Hartsfield International had to cancel a lot of flights um, out of land during the time so that situation delayed the game in albany so if you watch the national league if you watch the indoor game no matter what era it is when weather hits stuff happens it's it's not the nfl where they can charter multi-million dollar aircraft and fly direct they do not they have to do it the old-fashioned way like what me and you will do zach we have to yeah we gotta go here gotta buy our ticket gotta go like just normal oh, yeah. people Oh, yeah. um, so, besides from that, National Arena League had a good turnout, I think, for both games, in my opinion. It's just, I want to approach breaking down these two games differently because from one, two fan bases, these weren't really games. They were shellackings. They were domination. And one team just basically keeps perfection to the key. It's how let's just Let's how do those do it? Let's talk about the two games differently. The two teams that lost, sure. Jacksonville and San Antonio. The Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Sharks, of course, lost to the Albany Empire. Was honestly not a good game uh, for Jacksonville. 
got behind the eight ball right off the gate. San Antonio, the same way. They kind of stayed in it, tried to, but turnovers, penalties, just you gave both offenses, Albany and Carolina, the ball. And what Jonathan Bain proved this weekend in Carolina, what Sam Castronova or Darius Prince proved in Albany, you do not give these guys extra possessions. That's why I see the narrative of this week between these two games is pure domination for two teams. The two rogue teams, no matter what, how they got to the game, excuses aside with travel, did not play well. Both teams did not play well. Quarterback play was not well on both teams. And the home teams dominated. And when you have quarterbacks that throw for 300 some odd yards and only miss four passes and eight touchdowns, you're not going to beat that team. I don't care who you are. The Ritty game is unique, but it's also very painful when you give the opponent's, opponent team extra possessions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I mean, looking at Jacksonville, you know, just their contest. I mean, they had, they had factors going on even before they got to there. Like we're talking with the weather, they had a weather delay issue trying to get their players into Albany, you know, that mm-hmm. pushed the game back a day. Um, and they had basically had to fly in and be ready to go same day, which that's not pleasant, you know, having to fly, you know, from ones from North to South, probably if I had to guesstimate about, <laughs> I mean, geez, they'd fly, I believe it was Atlanta to Newark and then like Newark, they had to then get to Albany, I think it was that. direct from Atlanta or Atlanta to Albany. One of the, one of the other, yeah. I mean, you still it's have still to a three fly. hour flight. It's three hour plus flight. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's still, it's still unfortunate for that sense. Uh, but you know, they, they still, even if you want to argue they came in flat just off the flight. Um, I mean, I don't think that's a good enough excuse really. I like to me, it was just a rough, it was really a rough showing for Malik Henry. Um, and Damian may was kind of thrusted in their third quarter and was like, all right, this coach Burley, I'm referencing if I'm anyone's catching on. All right. All right, Damien have at it. Go right in, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Malik looked like he was uncomfortable. Most of the, most of the afternoon, um, making mistakes that we weren't seeing since really week one and two, uh, a lot more of just kind of chucking it up, seeing who else is going to come up there. I mean, Kenneth Gruder came down with two interceptions just off of like poorly placed deep passes, which hi, Kenneth Gruder, Welcome back to your to your spot on your roster because yeah he's at all nal side showed up as we were talking about last week like you know he came to play you know he had big hits all over the place two yeah. interceptions he was flying around the field as there as the as a specialist there for the empire showed out and some of the faces that the empire had you know they've changed up a little bit they have more talent there but like some guys i was like okay uh dang I didn't see Gorman making an impact before. Now he just kind of got signed on really recently. Wade, that was another one. So like Jacksonville had a lot to deal with, with them. Um, I mean, I mean, if I remember this right, if I am recollecting Wilson, his touchdown streak got broken. Yes, it did. That one's gone. That was the, that was the saddest part of the night to me. You know, I mean, the loss of course, in the way it was credit, you know, it still was unfortunate. It's unfortunate to see a team get blown out of the water like Mm -hmm. that if you're on the road road or at home um but just but to have like it's going to stand for a while though oh it probably will i mean what was it it was 30 30 30 31 31 i was over gauging and nonetheless i mean the closest the closest player is about two seasons away if they play <laughs> touchdowns for two seasons good uh, right i mean that that was that was uh that was unfortunate but i mean it shows mm-hmm. the strength that i mean 
the Empire defense was blanketing all over. Um, you know, Jacksonville, I mean, it just felt like they were overmatched. You know, I flight or not, some factors like that, frustration with just how things were going. You know, and it's funny, they were only down two scores going into halftime. So it wasn't fully out of reach. It kind of funny, both this game and the one in Greensboro kind of went a similar deal. They're two possession games going to half. Sure, one feels like they're better than the other, but like you're like, well, maybe if they come out swinging after halftime, you know, get a quick score or they're able to get a stop, that these things could stay reasonably in the vein of competitiveness. Yeah. But no, like what happened was is both the better teams came out, smacked the other in the mouth, and they just sprinted away with this thing. Like it was no other. Yeah. Um, I mean, San Antonio, I mean, dude, we can talk about travel all you want as well. I mean, it's funny. I bet if you had a gunslingers player and a Jacksonville player sit down and debate who had the worst travel this weekend, I think neither one would barge on their side. Be like, yeah, uh, I sat in a bus for 20 hours. Um, you think I'm going to like, well, we were at an airport for over <laughs> overnight it's like, like <laughs> yeah. oh it's a good airport oh lucky you <laughs> you were at one location we were on the road <laughs> yeah um yeah, I mean, but yeah but both i mean honestly both games though it's just kind of similar similar mm-hmm. vibe you know road trip woes maybe tiredness from there um credit the gunslingers did at least get a day to settle in sleep and then pre-work out before the game so slightly different but like 20 hours is 20 hours, man. <laughs> I can't say. And really both offenses, either one of these teams that played this weekend, they played against two of the best, the top two teams in the league. Mm-hmm. And both offenses struggled, turnover issues, couldn't keep possessions on their side, and just blew, really just blew defensive coverages yeah. at the worst possible time. Or at least in Jacksonville's case, <laughs> Castronova just would bust up the middle. Very, very mobile threat, you know, but he's learned how to maneuver the pocket and find those openings, you know. Again, like we mentioned before in past shows, Castronova has completely 180 his playing style from last season. And his feet and his mobility is a weapon for the Albany Empire. You know what showed to me that he's taken a step? So last year when I was watching with Carolina, he played so much hero ball, which was which when I say hero ball, I'm talking you're in the backfield. You're trying to keep that play alive as long as possible, and you're going to try your best to just chuck it up and think that that's that there's a prayer out there mm-hmm. there were a lot of times in the third and fourth quarter sam would just throw it into the into the audience there was a drive he threw it into the audience three times before he threw a touchdown and i just i stopped there and went that version of castronova last year would have not done that that would oh, have no, been a no. he, the, I, the fact that he was that patient he rolled out of the pocket said crap there's nothing there and threw it away i'm like that's progression that's a guy that's learned from his first year in arena yeah, so, it's that, that's, that's progress that. in motion. That's I think that's where you see growing pains in Jacksonville with Malik Henry. Yes, he played in another league, but this is a completely different game and style. And it looks like he might go through the same woes like Castronova did in, in the first couple of weeks last season before he got Albany. And look where he's in Albany. It's well, Shark fans have to wait till next season to see a better offense that. Jacksonville Sharks organizations not like that. Right. Um, they're going to demand, not demand perfection or excellence, but they want a competitive team on the field. I think this is the biggest blowout they have suffered in the NAL. And that's, Man. it's, it's, it was, I've, I've talked to a lot of Shark fans on Twitter and Facebook about this and through text messages. It was, 
of Albany bruised bruised egos of Jacksonville. We still Albany thinks, from what I've talked to some individuals, um, that we're rivals with Jacksonville. We're not rivals with. We don't consider you a rival. We just don't. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You can you can say, oh, we got you know titles galore. We just don't. We do too. We just do. We're just two bad years. Like, all right, think that you've like as a fan. I was like, think that you've got us. Just don't be that two seed or that or that one seed being cocky getting into the playoffs and Jackson find ways to get hot and they go right. up there and ruin your season in the playoffs. It's that's still a possibility. Will Jackson make the playoffs? To my Jackson fans out there, we're only a half a game behind Orlando right now in the standings for the fourth seed with three games against them. It's a toss up for them. You know, I, I, I think you got a lot more questions going into the, into this week as well. Cause you know, Malik Henry was, he was pulled mid third quarter or there was an injury injury. I couldn't really tell which the broadcast implied injury, but he wasn't out with out there with the mm-hmm. team. It's a lot of kind of up in the air with that, you know, and that's going to be something, a storyline. you But watch. if you, if you rewatch that play that he got injured at and looked like he injured his not thrown hand. And if you're a quarterback and you injure your non-thrown hand or not thrown arm, the probability of you playing the next week is very high than mm-hmm. not. But I can't like I don't know what the trainers are doing in Jacksonville. I don't know what the team doctors said. I just know based off watching that that how you went down, it looks like not thrown situation. And for Jacksonville fans, how you see Damian May played last week, it's just like, yeah, you might have to go with Malik Henry, and just hopefully he's better because you're playing. You're playing Carolina next, this weekend. Last yeah. time you played Carolina, you played pretty tough. Even though you lost them, you played pretty tough. Um, it's just for Jacksonville. No matter what the excuses was, and I go, I can be my fan side of things here. You mean you've talked about this off air and on our chat and our text messages. Uh, there, there are a couple of plays during that game, throughout the game, that were very questionable. They were very quick. And I guarantee a lot of Shark fans are like, yeah, you're talking about all the uh, Phantom Flags. I'm like, not all the Phantom Flags. Um, I just look, there's one position there. I was like, three offside penalties. I watched every single plays that those offside penalties happened. No one was offside. Continued drives for San, continued drives for Albany. And I did talk to some people from Jacksonville and from other teams. I did get a question about this via one of our messages about is fan interference reviewable? The answer to that question is yes, it is reviewable um, because it was reviewed in Orlando a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. It was reviewed in Albany week one. It was reviewed in Columbus in week one. All right. of a sudden it's not reviewable in Albany for this game against the Sharks. Um, there's for some, I'm not blaming the referees there, but there has to be a rule. We have to. That's one thing I get nagged about. About these rules shouldn't equal every single game. Now I could be wrong. Now my sources could say no, that plays unreviewable. But when we're reviewing <laughs> fan interference in week one against Darius Prince, by the way, and you review that, but when it happens to Devin Wilson in week five, it's not reviewable. Um, there's certain things in this game that you can we can banter and bash about is just that I don't mind the phantom flags or flags that were thrown 
it's home field advantage. It's what you get when you're home. It's like in the NBA playoffs. The home team gets more fouls than the road team. You just got to find a way to overcome and execute better. You're going to get that in the arena game. But as as we complained about you know, the reviews all the time in this game, how it delays, the moment of this game did not slow down at all. The, the timing was okay. It was just – that was just my fan ex- talking about, about the pass interference, the fan interference that should have been uh, reviewed that wasn't reviewed. Burley was really upset, um, and he has a point. There's, I just told you the four games to go look at, ladies and gentlemen. Fan interference was reviewed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, that, that, that's been that's been a reviewable one, you know. I mean, and via the text messages I had with a couple of people, that should have been reviewed, and it right. wasn't. And Burley was going through the flag or the challenge flag, and the referee said that's not a review play, and they said it on the on the the coverage. Yes, it is a reviewable play. That's literally why we have that rule. It's just, it's just, that was so aggravating. I'm like, okay, let me just go spend time with some family, chill, and come watch the game later after the result, yeah, which I, I did, mean, and start watching it. Then I disregard the penalties, disregard all that stuff. And then I just kept watching the game and realized Albany's game plan, the offensive line, how the Ironman, how they use their Ironman scheme against the Sharks. They made adjustments from this game compared to the first game they played each other, and they just dominated Jackson. Right. Um, I mean, overall, and, and, that, that's what happened. And this know. is what I'm going to say. I know I have all many fans messaging me, especially one of our loyal supporters that constantly messages us. Uh, if that situation did change, if the flags – take the flags away, take the review away, Albany would have still won this game. They were dominant from the point of the game, start of the game, period. Dwayne Hollis's interceptions were clean. Mm-hmm. They, that was and what happened to those two interceptions by Dwayne Hollis 21 points off of turnovers what happened to um, Darius Prince's interception touchdown what about their kicker hitting deuces they kicked Jackson's behind yes there was you can complain about one possession about fan calls and a missed non-reviewable play those situations had zero factor into the outcome of that game yes and once I calm down, once I watch it as a person that covers this league, I look on the field and go, yeah, they were just outmatched, outplayed, outhit, and Albany was just faster than the ball. And from fan perspective, yeah, I could complain, oh, this, this, and this, and this, but it didn't happen. And as a person that covers the league, Albany won this game clear. They were the better team again, and they made adjustments that Jackson didn't do for the first meeting, and Jacksonville paid for. Yeah, I mean, they did. And I think uh, one of the things that I thought that, you know, at least Jacksonville, I wish they could have done, done better. You know, it just, it seemed like they, it just seemed like they weren't ready for some of the newer, new weapons that Albany had, or like, it felt uh-huh. like that some of the guys that weren't there pre the previous first, first matchup just yeah. ripped them apart. Like, sure, Darius Prince will be Darius Prince. Like, you're Did basically no. Like, the idea with Darius Prince is he's going to burn you at some point. The mm-hmm. question is, you have to limit how much he burns you. Um, but then you have guys like Wade who go off on a tear and not only are you know offensively ripping you apart and getting TDs, but defensively they're coming in smacking him out. This dude is a skinny guy, but he was all but in the secondary all over the place, and that's that's just. Look, frame doesn't matter, obviously, to in as long as you're playing well. I'm just saying, like, for his frame and his build and you know, him coming off and we this is his first week of action, 
he tore Jacksonville apart. Like, oh, of course. you know, Kennyville uh, obviously did the best he could against Darius Prince. Still got t- one or two of them. He got behind him. That's just how it's going to happen. But, but everyone else uh, could. You still have to pick up the slack elsewhere oh, in yeah. that secondary. You know. But also, you look at Jacksonville. There's some good. You can look at the especially this game. There are a few things that you look at. And go, this player is actually playing damn well, and he's not getting any recognition. Who's you know who's becoming a very good Jack linebacker for Jacksonville. Devin uh, Wilson. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> that's the only one I'm saying. I'm like, don't think of this as a trick question, Zach. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I threw you a freaking fastball. No, no. Devin, it's the size of a watermelon. Devin's been Devin's been getting around the field pretty well at the, at the Jack there. Um, yeah, yeah. It, so, it, 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 there's some positive things that Jacksonville can build from this, but also, it's one game. Yes, you're one in four. That record doesn't look like Jacksonville fans. We have we know a couple of Jacksonville fans on our on one of our chat rooms that were he he's Mr. Doom and Gloom. Oh, they dropped the punt. Oh, it's the end of the world type of scenario. Uh we're talking about you, Skyler. But uh <laughs> uh it, it's a uh, it's Jacks for Jacksonville fans. You have three teams in the bomb tier right now. San Antonio and Orlando. You have them coming up on your schedule in the month of June. Those will be not just games you need to win. Those are crucial games you have to win. You have to win that season series against Orlando. You have to find a way to sweep or at least win one of the two against San Antonio to make sure that you're possibly can get that four seed. And you got Columbus coming in or going to Columbus in the mixture of that. They're in right, right now in a little disarray. They're trying to figure things out too. So we thought last year we're like, okay, we, Columbus and Albany, clear the better teams of the league will the second half of the season be the separation of carolina and club of carolina albany this year and will the four teams at the bottom columbus san antonio orlando jackson be the ones scrapping to get the third and second third and fourth seed if you would have told me that week one i would have told you no that's too long of a season we're going to week six this is separation saturday jacksonville they want to find a way to fight for a two seed to get home field or same for Columbus. They have their chances against Albany and Carolina. If Albany and Carolina get those wins this weekend, they're separating from the pack. And it's basically the bottom four trying to find their ways to just get into the playoff for three and four seed to beat those spoilers. Now, honestly, that's what the, my opinion, that's how it's shape up. And I look at all these both, Albany's and Carolina's rosters. The stars are shining. They're not killing themselves with penalties and they're just dominating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I want to, I want to touch back here on like Carolina's night, you know, similarly, again, like mm-hmm. you said, dominant as Albany, but you know, it, it almost, I mean, it was perfection. It, it felt too, it almost felt too easy. You know, like they're like, yeah, they're early on, you know, it, they clearly, arena it stays close to the beginning and it finally trails yeah. off at the end if you're pulling away well i mean set the tone early what do you do you know san antonio gets the ball first they punt they they blast on down the field they're right at the goal line fumble recovery instantly seven point swing and then the rest is just kind of just out of night went you know like you, yeah. yeah and i i almost look at like I said that the travel kind of had effect but they had a day to relax mm-hmm. um like Robert Kent felt a little uncomfortable, seemed like throughout the night, you know, he had some moments, but yeah. there were others where it's like, he just felt like he was pocket wasn't there or he 
want to just get that thing out of there and made a few costly mistakes. I mean, the, the one Joel Powell interception was really just like a partially tipped pass. And I mean, that's just a playmaker right there. Joe's one of the better, better defense defensive backs in the, in the NAL. He just quickly scoops that bad boy and gets a pick yeah. right off right near the carpet. You know, that's a drive killer that they were having. They were inside the 20, it, it, well, inside the 15 at that point against Carolina. And what also, yeah. what also deflates the opposing team is a quarterback going 20 for 25, 313, oh, God, eight touchdowns. Yeah. And you have a receiver in Lance Evans, eight receptions for 167 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, that, that, like, geez, come on. How can you match that? And plus you have Kendrick Kings and you have James Summers there and you have DJ Myers that will – you know, add a few things. I don't think, no, he was, he didn't play this past weekend, uh, but usually he's there. DJ is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just, you look at the stats. You got James Summers with 52 receptions and, and two touchdowns and Kendrick Gings, but the man was Evans. Like there was two, um, two drives in that game where Santoni San was stopped and two step drop for Bain. I'm going to just float it downfield wide open. Evans in the end zone. Uh, when, like if people, this is their first time listening to the show, and you want to know who the superstars are in this league. Comparison: Jonathan Bain is the vet. He is the mm-hmm. he's the Philip Rivers. He is the Andrew Lux. He is the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning's of this league. You give him time, he's going to kill you. And so far, this first five weeks of the season, no one has got he. I think he's been sacked maybe four times this whole season, and the dude is just doing his thing he may not have the most passing yards in the nal he may not have the most touchdowns but he has the undefeated record and yeah. he that's one thing i know we the show's not the preview but you look at this team overall especially for carolina the weapons are getting the ball the weapons are scoring they're not hurting themselves and bane is killing basically not trying to fit anybody but when you're nearly perfection as a quarterback you're not losing games. Just no, not at all. No, I mean it's, eight, it's, eight touchdowns in or eight touchdowns in any arena game generally will get you get you that. You know, that that, it, that itself. Clean game. It, it also, I'm not I'm not, you know, bashing San Antonio, but the you have I've watched the game, of course. Weapons of San Antonio were shut down too. Like oh, they yeah. were they were they were shutting down. Uh, Kali Rashad, they were shutting down Robinson. They were shutting down Johnson. They were shutting down Williams and Creamer. It's like you look at their stats and on the thing and go, I'm amazed that Robert Kent threw for 200 yards. I really am. That's how dominant Carolina was in that game. Mm-hmm. And also, T.C. Stevens, again, hitting deuces. Like the deuces, wow. the, apparently only two teams in the league know how to kick deuces right now, and that's Albany and Carolina are at the top of the league. Right, as long as you get, um, a, as long as you get a K ball. And I mean, <laughs> look, we we talked about it, you know, in our own in our pre in our preview, of course, last week with the final walkthrough. You know, Stevens, you know, you're not going to see like Rashad or Brooks taking returns back. It's going to uh, be deuce or nothing. So that complete element of you of those two of those first several contests that the Gunslingers had, where kickers were still keeping it inbounds that element was removed entirely. So right. field position was sure you miss it. You go to the 20, but like, nonetheless, like a touchdown is better than just getting the start of the yeah. 20. It removes an entire possession of having to be on offense and have a consistent drive, which clearly San Antonio still has a few things to work out. Even with the time away, they still have some things they need to work mm-hmm. the Kings out. They have talent though. I mean, for example, people talk about like 
you know, we, uh, we you'll hear this week, you know, as we go later on with the episode, but uh, Mr. Khalil, Khalil Rashad there is getting a lot of looks from people around the league. Dude's a talented receiver right now. Like he's, he's getting looks from teams that know that he is their number one target. And you the know? thing is, is one thing that we've noticed, especially how coach Rez approaches game is like what you said, took their main weapon out of the game. Mm-hmm. And he's a kick return specialist. And we do have kick return specialist and he, basically shut them shut him down in the game too um that's something that san antonio is going to have a lot this league is that they're going to be introduced to different types of schemes especially when they play jacksonville especially when they do play columbus again and especially when they play albany they have players that are going to go we're going to eliminate this dude from your offense we're not going to have we're not going to make you have that dude as a weapon to kick returning and they're going to have to find a way to score points yeah. i think carolina knew how the game plan against san antonio and they took out their main weapon. And yes, Robert Kent threw for 200 yards. But when the other guy across the way from you is throwing for 300, almost near perfection, eight touchdowns, and your main weapon is not getting a chance to do kick returns, it's behind the eight ball there. And right. and we do have people out there that go the the evolution of the arena game. Sometimes the rushing attack is needed in some games. Like I looked at the game against Carolina. You can run the ball no matter what. Carolina was still going to blow you out. I like right. the, that line of scrimmage was running game or not running game. That line of scrimmage was just destroying San Antonio. Um, and it's strange in football, you lose the line of scrimmage battle, lose the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, no, that, that's the truth. Well, that's the truth. And even more with Iron Man, look, we, look, those line, those linemen for these teams this year, you know they're out there a lot more. They have to be able, they have to be able to retain as much energy, as much of their motor as they can, you know? So like, that's one thing Columbus, you know, or Carolina has done well. I mean, you know, we, like I said, coach Reza said like Ziegler, their center is a specialist. Like yeah. I think that alone, having a fresh lineman like that, who can just bully someone and can keep himself mentally and physically ready for those possessions that is turning out to be very valuable. You know, I, you know, I, like I said, we're like, we've been talking, we're warning the specialists as we go along too. you know, these aren't traditional guys, you know, no. it's usually the quarterback receiver on offense. And it's amazing that this system, you know, people are buying in with what Rez is doing and it's working very well for him. There is a, it's a weapon of the week right now for this team, no matter where they're going. It just, I'm, it surprises me, but that just shows good coaching, good mm-hmm. personnel decisions that they're making out there. And it's paying off most well-rounded team in the league. You know, even with Albany dominating Jacksonville, like I need to see more tape because yeah. that could be, there's several factors there. I know I, I know I pumped up Kenneth McGruder last week a lot, <laughs> you know, but like, I still need to see, I want to see the rematch so badly in two weeks. I, I cannot tell you how much I want to see how these two teams clash again Week one, Jay's pivotal out game. Of the way. Pivotal game. You know, if, it'll be massive. You know, because if Carolina wins that, they win the season series and they win the Covenant tiebreaker. Yeah. Well, I mean, this. I mean, this right now to me is still like Carolina and Albany are the are the NAL championship right now. And if I had to, if I had to pre-pick, if things still go the same way as they do, I think one, it's one of these two. I think it's going to be the Carolina or Albany this year mm-hmm. that they're going to be hosting it. So yeah, and, and that's also if Carolina wins and wins in two weeks. Mm-hmm. They basically wrapped up home field. That tiebreaker does it. That's true. But you know what's strange, Zach, is that 
we talked a lot about these two domination games. And it's not really good talking about games that are completely uncompetitive. But oh, yeah, I mean, we, we want them all to be close. You know, oh, yeah. You know, it, so it is kind of weird to see like a 72 to 35, now credit, new team personnel mm-hmm. that's brand new to this level. But like Jacksonville, you know, you still go, oh, man, 29. Man, that stinks. Only to, That's unfortunate to only score 29. Yeah. So. Do you have to remind me? <laughs> Just I'm sorry. Say. I'm sorry. You brought Stop it. Stop reminding you, me. You brought the thread in. I pulled it a little bit, a little true, bit true. harder than I should have, I guess. Uh, so with that, ladies and gentlemen, that's the episode today of Wednesday Rewind. Really, we tried our best to cover two one-sided affairs. Uh, we'll get that sometimes. But one thing about coming up this week, ladies and gentlemen, we got three games. We got three. All Every team's playing this week. So no I know, five right? weeks for six straight weeks. That's good. And also, I wanted to say thank you for following us on Twitter. Thank you for following us, Peter. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. NAL.com or nationalmarineleague.com forward slash videos to get our stuff. Um, also, subscribe because one of our fellow podcasters say builds morale. Oh, yeah. Also, 100 subscriptions, free tickets, mm-hmm. one year anniversary coming up, 5,000 downloads coming up. Might do another giveaway. So, tune in to Inside the Walls podcast. Um, follow us on Twitter. You'll find all the updates. Once we hit those barriers, we'll be giving away hats. We have a couple teams that have already reached out to set us to give us some merch to give away to you guys. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, what else? Uh, tomorrow, special guest, Turf Talk. Coach Jason Gibson of the Columbus Lions joins us to talk about the frustrating start of the season, even though they're 2 and one and talks about other things about what he's doing to the community, what he's learning from the Ironman, what he is hoping that the rest of the 2022 season will be for the Columbus Lions. That's tomorrow on Turf Talk. And also on Friday, ladies and gentlemen, Preview, big weekend of National Arena League football. I'm Jim Renier. That is Zach Cowan. This has been the Inside the Walls podcast. So for the 50-yard fight, we have to do our tradition. Remember Mm. one thing. Don't be like me. Don't be a jack out of the box. And be sure to pick in terms of the smart decision. Because now I I owe Rob Storm and company a T-shirt from the show. Yeah. Why are you not wearing it, man? You got to order it. (laughs) I didn't get express shipping yet. I just. It'll be in by next week. Uh, next next week in week shows, you'll see me wearing it on a show. I swear. But we seriously, get gear for you, people. Seriously, <laughs> only folks that are a jack out of the box don't pick what seems to be the obvious choice. I'm sorry, Gunslingers fans. I took one for the team this week. That's, That's him. all I did. That's him. That's Just saying, he's the one that made the call. Uh, but you know, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jim Rie. That's Zach Kalman. We'll see you tomorrow for Turk Talk. <laughs>